Welcome everyone to the Nerd Journey Podcast, episode number 34. We're joining you every week to talk IT career, news, and opinions based on our points of view. I'm your host, John White, at VGerman on Twitter, joined by my co-host, Nick Cordy, at NetworkNerd underscore. Hey, Nick, how's it going? Doing well, John. Just consumed my traditional coffee pre-podcast. I want to make sure our listeners know we are a couple of VMware solution engineers looking to bring the career advice we wish had been given to us earlier in our careers. We hope our career discussions will be relevant across disciplines and remain timeless. If you're enjoying our content, please drop us a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you subscribe. And if you want to get in touch with us, tweet or DM at Nerd Journey. Ultimately, we're just two nerds on a journey. A journey to virtual enlightenment. So let's take a trip. Hey, that was great, Nick. How was your week? It was good. You know, I mentioned before that I had hurt my back and was kind of crooked, but I, the past two Saturdays is the second one I've, I've worked out, and so far I'm still not crooked. Everything's a little sore, but I'm stretching it out and, and feeling better. Excellent. Very exciting. Two weeks in a row. Uh, nice job on the persistence there. I know that's that's the toughest part of that. Um, actually, that reminds me, this is the uh, second time in a row that we're doing something too, right? A split episode. Yes, sir. The last two episodes were with Tony Reeves. These two are going to be with a gentleman named Jimmy Tasson. Excellent. I know you uh, first came across him in Spiceworks, uh, the, the IT community, but I think it was after I wasn't participating as much. Yes, that's right. But you know what? Let's cover that in the episode. Here's our interview with Jimmy Tasson, part one. And we're joined by Jimmy Tasson. Jimmy, thanks a lot for taking the time to join us. Thanks for having me here and let me talk to you guys for a little while. We definitely appreciate Jimmy coming on. So we first met Jimmy through the Spiceworks community. He's written a number of articles in that community, been very active, a lot of posts, smart dude posted in a lot of different forums. I actually met him at the Spice World Conference that's each year in Austin, usually in the fall. He's done some sessions there as well and knows his way around a computer for sure. But if you don't mind, Jimmy, could you just share with the listeners a little bit about what you do today and then we'll start in on how you got there? Sure. So right now I am the IT director at uh, Midwest Regional Bank, Community Bank around St. Louis. Been here for five years now. Uh, so as IT director, I oversee all IT operations in the bank. Um, I'm an IT of one, but I do have an MSP that helps me with the help desk and a lot of the day-to-day -day simple tasks. So my focus is mostly on security, reporting, uh, keeping executive management happy, that kind of thing. Now, mm -hmm. can you tell us a little bit about how you first got into the technology space? You know, some people get there later in life. Some people fall in love with it from a young age. So how about yourself? Uh, it was definitely from a young age. I remember really getting into computers in middle school when the Macintoshes started showing up in the classrooms. Uh, seeing them come in, it's like, oh, something to play around with, something new that I don't know about. So I just kind of started tinkering with it. Um, then as I got further into middle school, uh, I started spending more time in the library, you know, reading books and that, playing with the computers. They had them there. And at the time, the librarian kind of noticed my that was pretty good with navigating around the computers as things popped up, figuring out how to fix them. So the, she had started mentioning to some of the teachers I was getting pretty savvy with them. 
So as a teacher started having issues crop up, they'd ask, hey, Jimmy, can you help me with this? And I go, sure, let me fix that for you. Um, so just kind of expand them from there, went into high school. There was a computer class in there, so I jumped into that, um, you know, learning a little bit more networking, a little bit more advanced computer uh, techniques, that kind of thing. Um, but then I took a break after high school, went to the Navy. And then after the Navy, kind of think about what I want to do. And I went to college for computer science and just kind of developed from there. Interesting. It's, it's funny to hear you get involved uh, yep. closing help yep. desk tickets in uh, middle school. <laughs> I'm, I'm curious as to how the documentation of the closure of those tickets went. Well, considering they didn't have a help desk at that time, it was just telling the teacher, hey, it's fixed. And they go, okay, cool. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> so when you were in the Navy, no exposure to anything in the technology space, just just serving and then worrying about what you wanted to do later? Uh, well, not in the traditional IT sense. Uh, I was a cryptologic technician, so I did work with technology, um, and that just focused mostly on radar systems, working with uh, combat control on the USS Carl Vinson, which is an aircraft carrier. So just keep an eye out for the area that's around the fleet, you know, making sure that no one's trying to sneak up on us. So in that case, no, no traditional IT at that time. So there was a bit of a break for me kind of thinking about what I wanted to do with my life at that point. Excellent. Now, what was the next step after, after the Navy? Where'd you go and, and work? Uh, so from there, I went to uh, Webster in Missouri, um, just going into computer science because thinking back from middle and high school, I was really fond of computers. Oh, I did forget to mention too that in high school, I wanted to be a game developer. I think like at most people at that age wanted to do. So I actually got into the Nintendo Academy uh, DigiPen Institute. So I learned some basic programming with that, developed a few basic games like uh, Pong and Worm and a few and Space Invaders. So I was thinking about it, I was like, yeah, I really enjoyed that. So I want to get into programming. Uh, so that's why I went to computer science for um, having to slog through math like uh, calculus and physics, which I initially thought would be fun. And then it's really math heavy. So that was a struggle. Then once it really started focusing on programming, and that was when I really enjoyed it. So I got both my bachelor's and master's within four years. Uh, so some of my credits from the Navy carried over, so that helped. And then Webster had a combined degree program, so I was able to transfer some of my bachelor degree classes into my master's, so I was able to accelerate it more. Um, but as I was halfway through my master's, I realized programming's not for me. Um, I finished my master's, but it's like, yeah, I don't want to be a programmer. But at that point, um, that's when I started my first IT job during my bachelor's degree period uh, with Bethesda Health Group. So started there as, you know, regular help desk tech, you know, doing tier one. And then after a couple, after a while, doing a little bit of tier two, got pushed into uh, audio with phones, handling the phone system, which at that time was Mitel and dealing with all the analog goodness that it came with. Well, I don't want to let you just blow past that because you, you've touched on something which is, um, mm -hmm. you know, kind of my pet peeve. There's there's no real strict 
career right. path into IT, right? It almost seems like everybody who's in IT kind of accidentally got there because a, a computer science program mm -hmm. is all about programming. And a lot of times it's about, you know, compiler programming or, you know, really low level stuff. And, um, you know, there's not even really, you know, there's programming boot camps, but there's no real IT boot camp. Maybe like some like, you know, professional colleges or something like that. You know, yeah, the for profit. ITT techs or, or something like that. I, I don't even know if that's a, yeah, the for-profit, that's it. The, and I don't even know if those are going concerns. They seem to have, mm -hmm. a lot of them seem to have gone under. But um, there is this inflection point for you where you said, mm -hmm. it's not for me. And I'm just interested in finding out what about um, it was. Pretty much kind of as I was going through the bachelor's, learning the programming, because um, I was doing a lot of studying in actual game development, what's involved, and reading a lot of stories about programmers and developers, and kind of getting more of a, a better picture of what, I guess, life is as a developer and programmer. Um, definitely wasn't kind of what I was expecting, I think, especially at you know at the high school, middle school age. You know, we got the, the starry-eyed look of what a programmer and a game developer is and does, and then seeing what real stories from people that uh, are going through it and like uh, some companies shutting down and you know you get especially when you get the crunches before launch and it's like you know I, I just don't think I, I, like I said through the masters I realized it's like I don't think I can do this like eight to ten hours a day five to six days a week it's like yeah I, I just get sober because I, I enjoyed programming because that's why I got into it and stayed with it through my masters is I really enjoyed it because for me, programming was solving a puzzle. You, know, you get, hey, you need to solve, you need a program that does this task. And it's like, so how can I break that down as much as I can with code to solve it? So for me, it was like a puzzle and I enjoyed it. But then it's like, when I realized, it's like, do I want to do this eight to 10 hour disease? And like, I really don't want to, I can't, I get burned out so quickly. Yeah, yeah, that, that sounds so familiar. It's a, a story we hear a lot. Um, like you enjoying the structured thinking, but not necessarily liking the tools mm -hmm. enough to do that all the time, right? Wanting to be a little bit more, um, knowing what happens before the problem gets turned into a coding problem and what happens mm -hmm. after the coding problem is solved. Yep. Right. So yeah, very, very familiar. Interesting. So I'm sorry I, I interrupted you. You were talking about um, getting involved in, in kind of climbing the ranks at your first job and having to deal with uh, yep. physical yep. PBXs, uh, phone switches. Uh, it, um, yeah, the very also very familiar. So um, you're fine. Uh, sorry, I, I interrupted you. As so my first job actually that. started as an internship. Um, I was working at the business office at the college, and I was just bored. I was screwing around a lot and just not really doing my job like I should have. So got fired from that. And so I was at that point, it's like, what, you know, I need to obviously find a job to support me and my wife. And I just happened to stumble upon uh, a pamphlet in the hall while I was walking around between classes for a local healthcare company looking for, you know, someone to jump in. I was like, well, I know how to work with computers to a decent degree. So let me check it out. So got an interview. Uh, fortunately, my boss at the time was really cool because, you know, being, even though I was, I think, 22, 23, you know, a bit of an adult, you know, I'm still a kid enough to where I didn't really get a proper suit for my interview. 
So I had a jacket, but I wore jeans. I thought, hey, I'm dressed up. So he told me, nope, you're not. You, know, you need to do better than that. Um, so had my interview, got started as a um, intern for I think about a year, where I proved that I knew enough. So they hired me on full time. So I've heard people mm-hmm. call the uh, jeans and jacket the Texas tuxedo, but maybe that's a Texas thing since I'm in Dallas, Fort Worth. <laughs> well, who knows? Like I said, at that time, I was like, I thought I was dressed up. It depends on a lot of, on the industry, right? And that's one of those things that we talk about when um, we're giving interview guidance is that it's always a little bit easier to back off. You know, like you're wearing a suit, but you look around and nobody mm-hmm. else is, so you just take the jacket off, you know, um, that type of thing. It's easy to take a tie off. It's easy to take a jacket off. And if you have any kind of insight what the the culture of the organization is going in, you know, even just walking in the front door or doing a drive-by, you know, a couple days earlier and seeing how um, the people at the front desk are dressed and, and that kind of thing, it's always easier to to um, to calibrate. But I mean, I, I'm with Nick. I, I mean, I wear jeans <laughs> well, and plus I don't think any manager is going to complain if you dress up more than expected. You know, there's that saying, you know, dress for the job you want. It, yeah, it's really strange. Uh, I've seen some, uh, I've seen some guidance, and we've talked about some articles in the past where people are like, "Hey, you know, you dressed in a suit, and this isn't a suit company, so you don't fit our culture." And I'm like, "Okay, so how are the people supposed to know that ahead of time?" And it's always something along the lines of, "Well, use your contacts within the industry to figure out, um, you know." what the culture of that company is like. And I was like, okay, so that, that feels a little bit like a, mm-hmm. like a, a social filter really is like, you have to know somebody who knows somebody. And if you don't, then you can't get hired because you're going to dress the wrong way, which doesn't feel fair. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just like, just tell me I how just to dress. Ask. Like uh, last couple of job know? interviews I did, um, yeah. you know, right before we, when we were talking about scheduling the first in-person one, I just asked the person I was on the phone. So what, what's the expected dress code? Yeah. So I just ask them. That's that is great advice. At least That's you didn't get up on advice. the soapbox like John did. I mean, I knew that was coming. <laughs> yeah, walk in the first for your first interview. It's like I'm dressed the way I want to, and you're going to deal with it. <laughs> At least they didn't do to you what I did to some guys that came to interview for me, and I made them go out in the machine shop and do some stuff, and they were dressed nice. So shame on me. I should have told them to dress down. <laughs> <laughs> but there you go. We, we interrupted you. You were talking about your, your internship at the healthcare place. Now, did that turn into a full-time gig there or did you end up moving on somewhere else? Nope. That turned into a full-time gig after a year. Um, and that was at that point where I could finally kind of cut down a little bit on my classes and I switched to night classes uh, to kind of finish up my bachelor's. So it really wasn't a problem to go full-time. Um, also, at that point, I was feeling more confident in my skills because, um, you know, I, I went in and, you know, again, I had some experience working with computers, uh, but going in to an enterprise size company, I think at that time, there were around 2,500 employees. Um, I don't remember how many computer systems. So, you know, I kind of had put myself in the expectation that there's going to be a lot of learning for me to do because it's going to be such a big shift of what I know. 
And so that's just kind of where I started my first job is just have my uh, eyes open and my mind open and just absorb as much as I can from the team I was working with. Yeah, that's actually really cool that you started at such a large environment because we just talked about on a previous episode how to scale for your next endeavor and the folks moving from the small shop to the big shop might have that big fish, small pond syndrome. But it sounds mm-hmm. it sounds like you were just trying to learn everything you could and you didn't know any different to, to be scared of such a large environment. Yeah, and I think that's a good thing for anybody, no matter what, if you're going up or down you know, for the next job is, you know, just go in there with the expectation, you know what you know, but things are going to be different between each company no matter what. So just be prepared to not jump in and start making changes right off the bat, but, you know, give it a couple months and actually learn their infrastructure, how their procedures work before you start making changes. Yeah. Joining a, an enterprise from, you know, kind of being, I don't know, I'll say hobbyist mm-hmm. level. It's, it's very, very different, right? You have to, it's like the difference between like, well, I cook for all my friends and family at the cookouts, and mm-hmm. now I have to be a prep cook at a restaurant, right? It's it's a whole like you might use the same tools and it might look the same, but it's it's much more structured, much more like it needs to be an exact way, and everybody has to have like expectations up and down the the path mm-hmm. of what everything's going to look like. So, you know, um, it, it's very interesting to to hear you make that jump. I, I really like to hear about sure. what that learning curve was like. Um, yeah. You know, so, a, you know, hobbyist to professional pretty quickly that is like, you know, before then I'm thinking of computer issues like, okay, the software is not working right. Or maybe the internet's kind of weird on this one computer and then going in and it's like, now I have a whole network of computers that are talking to each other. It's like, now I got to learn how the networking side works that if the software is not working, it may not just be that computer. It could be the network that it's connecting to. Um, so all the, everybody that I worked with on the team, I mean, they're, they're all, you know, veterans at that point, they're all working, I think between five to 10 years of professional experience already. So, you know, I'm just a kid. So, you know, there's all this experience that I can talk to, um, and, you know, and learn from, and, you know, especially with my attitude at that time of, you know, I want to learn, you know, I want to help. So, I mean, I think that's what all of us in IT professionals are start the job with is we just want to help people. You know, this is a skill that we know we're familiar with, so we just want to solve problems. And that was another thing that helped me with the uh, degrees I had going through those programming classes because it really put me in the mindset of critical thinking a lot more of here's a problem and start breaking it down right off the bat of start figuring out what the problem or what solutions won't fix it. Basically, you know, trying to narrow narrow down where the problem actually is by figuring out what it isn't. And that's pretty much a lot of my learning curve right off the bat is besides talking to the others on my team about what the things that they're seeing is of looking at a problem and figuring out what isn't the problem and narrowing it down as much as I can to get that problem solved. Right. That makes a lot of sense. I, I, I'm wondering whether the organization had like a, a strict criteria or training process to get from like a level one help desk to level two to, and, and so on no. to, to climb the ladder. It was unstructured. So I had to jump in with both feet and be ready. Um, 
Yep. So that, you know, obviously I learned pretty quickly that Google's my friend. So searching everything I can as it came up, you know, if I hit a, a brick wall of, you know, I can't think of any other things it could be, then I'd talk to my team and brainstorm with them, figure out what it is. Um, you know, learning how uh, Active Directory works. Uh, like we went through a refresh there with our phones. So that was an interesting time because I think that was maybe about three or four years in at that point. Um because we had, when I started, we had a big team. Mm-hmm. I think we, if I remember right, like eight personnel in the IT team. And a lot of those guys were contractors. And so after like a year and a half, most of the contractors were kicked out. So then we had a team of three to four. So fortunately at that point, I learned enough to where I could get by without too many problems. Um, but then the phone guy who handled the, did a lot of the maintenance of the Mitel system was fired. And my boss, IT manager at that point said, all right, you're doing all the Mitel stuff because you know it. Because I had, was kind of, um, what is it, under training or shadowing him for a few months, kind of learning the system. And again, I was at that point where it's like, I just want to learn. I don't care what it is, just just teach it to me. So I was learning the, the uh, Mitel system, actually going to the punch downs in the server room and, learning how to use the, uh, the, the butt phone to do troubleshooting. Uh, yeah, so that was, that was a lot of fun. And then we finally decided to switch to Cisco. So over, I think it took about a year to switch from Mitel to Cisco. At that point, it's like, hey, I don't have to deal with phones anymore. Like, oh. Yep. Like yep. a voice over IP system yep, voice over or, IP. or some, something else. Got it. Yeah. So then, uh, maybe outsourcing. Yeah, around that time we had a service provider because it's still like a four-person team, and the service provider, the service provider, did most of the networking stuff at that point. Uh, so the rest of us did some of the network. We had one guy that did focus solely on the Cisco, um, and so I didn't have to deal with the phones anymore. I did want to learn it, but my boss said, no, you don't have any experience with it, so we're not going to teach you. The other guy knows it more. Um, and it was at that point that I was looking to develop my career more, get into networking, because obviously I'm doing help desk networking is the next big step. But my boss didn't see any need to let me learn networking because we had an MSP. So I was like, all right, I think it's time for me to go. So about five years that's when I moved on to Electro Savings Credit Union, where I became the system administrator. Interesting. So, you was it an easy decision to make? Um, did it take? Was it a very short period of time for you to come to that decision, or no? Um, it was it, it was pretty quick because um, I like I talked to my manager like after one of my reviews, and I said, "Here, you know, this is my interest. My goal is I want to learn networking, get into the networking side of IT." And that's when he told me that they, there was no interest to train me in that or let me start tinkering with it because we had MSP that was handling in that. So they wanted to keep me pretty much at tier one, somewhat tier two. And that's pretty much where they wanted me. And I've always had, I always have like an ambition, ambitious drive to me. You know, I just want to keep learning, developing. So when he told me that, it's like, yep, that's that's the sign for me to, to move on. Is an interesting lesson for employers and managers too. 
like when you have good people, you need to have like a technical career mm-hmm. path for good technical or, people. Or, mm-hmm. or even if as a manager, right. if you can't do it, like if your executive management doesn't want that, you know, maybe even just have a plan of, you know, and letting your staff know it's like, hey, you have a limited track here, but we'll give you what we can. And if you decide to move on, you know, go for it. Well, I'll support you personally as much as I can kind of thing. At least be cognizant of it. Absolutely. I love the attitude of wanting to learn everything you can. And I kind of wonder if maybe, and again, this may sound harsh, but I kind of wonder if maybe the manager shouldn't have pointed you toward, hey, you can work with this MSP, shadow them while they do the networking and at least learn from that component. Because a lot of times when you're working with an MSP or someone in support for a vendor, just asking questions when you open a ticket or raise an issue, you can learn a ton of stuff. Just in oh, yeah. sitting with someone for 30 minutes to an hour who does this all the time, you can learn all kinds of things. Yeah, I, I agree. It was just kind of the um, the environment at that time, and there just wasn't the interest. Yeah, it is what it is sometimes, and, and recognizing that you know the employer uh, doesn't have an interest in, in moving you up or getting you trained up. And, you know, their, in fact, their main interest is to keep you exactly where you are doing exactly what you're doing. You know, for people who are ambitious, um, that's like one of the, the signals that you're in the wrong position mm-hmm. or working for the wrong company or the wrong manager. Right. I mean, so then it's just figuring out what it is. That yeah. You and I mean, do. I was showing you're them that like next my manager, even his boss, which is the CIO. It's like, I'm willing to learn anything because I was not only was I help desk and my tell support for a while. I also did all the AV audio video that the company did. And that would end up being quite a bit of a job because that was working, making sure our training classrooms were set up because we had training classrooms at the main location for new nurse staff, um, for uh, the introduction, you know, when they first start. Uh, all the different locations would have regular events for the residents because it wasn't just um, – healthcare, like a hospital kind of thing, but it was also um, long-term living and hospice and a bunch of other uh, services like that. So there's a lot of different training sessions they did for the residents or different events. And I was always there setting up all the projectors and the computers and screens and the audio, the speakers, Um, even presented a few sessions for some of the the senior residents. I think uh, one of the sessions I did was, you know, an introduction to uh, social media for them. Cause you know, that's when social media is kicking off like Facebook and that. So showing them like, Hey, you know, with like Facebook, you can kind of get, it's a good way to get in touch with your family. And even if they're not here all the time, you can still talk to them. Uh, so I was getting involved in just about everything I could at that time. Now, when you did the training, was that something that you volunteered to do or something that you were asked to do? It was brought up by, uh, one of the event managers, I can't remember the exact title within the company, that uh, they're wanting to do something to introduce some of this, the uh, residents to, to technology. I said, yeah, I'll just jump right in. I was, I mean, the other guys' uh, uh, mentalities really, they had no interest in something like that. And I was just always, you know, the one that was ready to jump in. So I was, they brought it up and I said, yep, I'll do it without any hesitation. Everyone's like, okay, go ahead. I don't have to do it. You know, I, I think I just realized that you're mm-hmm. talking about long-term care residents. 
as opposed to like mm -hmm. um, right, doctors, right. like resident doctors. Um, yep. So that makes a lot more <laughs> sense to me now, like needing to get in touch with people right. over social media and Facebook. Yep. Okay. So that Got was it. pretty much everything at my first job. And then. And you made that transition. You, you, you made the decision to, to look for a new position. What was that search process like? How did you define what it is that you wanted to look for? And, uh, and uh, well, I pretty much knew the title I was looking for, which was a system slash network administrator. Uh, Cause that was, you know, at that point, I had enough experience talking with the other guys in the team that that was pretty much the next step up from help desk. So that was that's exactly what I was looking for. And it actually for, for that one, that didn't take too long to find. I, if I remember, I think I found it on Dice when Dice was pretty good early on. Uh, so I found that, applied for it. And while I didn't have any banking at the time because this job was at a credit union, um, they saw that I was in healthcare, So still dealing with, you know, regulation that it wasn't too much of a transition. So they're interested in hiring me at, on the spot that time. And that, that goes back to Nick's uh, mm -hmm. phrase of relatable experience, right? Um, when you're, when you, ha you had experience with a regulated industry that had right. um, customer privacy laws. So, it might not have been the exact same regulations, but you were at least yeah, for those familiar with that process. That don't know it would be HIPAA. And, and maybe... Right. And maybe having to do audits or, or be accountable to an audit office or, or something along those lines, audit controls. Right. Yep. Making sure that data is secure. <laughs> and were you specifically targeting the industry you went into, which I believe you said was banking? Or... Were you just looking for general systems administration and the industry didn't matter? Uh, at that time, I didn't care about the industry. I was just uh, looking for, you know, the next move up. So, again, looking at system network administrator and then just happened to be banking and interviews went well. They liked my experience and hired me on. Was the environment around the same size, bigger, smaller, bigger team, smaller cool. team? Much smaller uh, environment going from 2,500 to 3,000 employees to 110. And I think five, no, three locations, I think it was. So, yeah, big change in the environment and um, how procedures and policies worked. And But the team of the, the didn't really change much. It went from, like I said, I think I left there that's around four and then I went to electro with uh, three team a three person team including me so was that like a corporate office with a um, with a branch downstairs uh, and then two satellite branches no we were or at the IT was at the main branch which was across the street from the corporate office because corporate wanted their own fancy area and the main branch didn't have space for them Yep. I mean, it was right across the street, so it wasn't right. that big of a deal. Um, but yeah, the, even if uh, the actual exact you know, management team wanted to be in the branch, there, there wasn't any space for them anyway. It was just one floor in a basement. I get, bet you can guess which uh, part of that building we were in. I'm blanking out. Yep. Yep. Basement. <laughs> I think many can relate to that. That transition was um, 
smooth? Uh, how did that go? Because you had, you know, just recently or within the past five years, gone through an adjustment and, and a learning experience. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so the first day of the one. job, I think, was pretty much the indicator of how that would go is I walked in. The manager wasn't there. Um, the help desk tech, the guy that was below me, was there. And, you know, we talked for a little bit, show me where my computer was, which was right across from him. So I go to the computer, turn it on. It's like, oh, wait, I don't have a network connection. So I'm looking around, and I'm and my first thought is, all right, they're pulling some kind of prank on me to see exactly what I know, right? It's like they're going to leave me some kind of problem to figure out right off the bat. So I look around. It's like, oh, all right, it's plugged in on here, but still no network. All right. Uh, so I ask them to get in the server room. So I look in the server room, and then I start tracing cables out. And we didn't have a toner, so I had to do it manually, trying to figure out where it is. And eventually found it and found it was unplugged, so I plugged it in. He goes, I swear, it's not. we're not trying to test you. It's like it was just unplugged. Now, did you already have the domain admin at that point while you couldn't get your computer connected, or was that uh, not yet? Uh, no, I think I had to wait a little bit for the manager to get in and get full access. But, yeah, they pretty much gave me full access right off the bat. Um, and and just so you know, and and I'm, I'm pretty sure I told them, too, it's like you know I was really wanting to get into networking at this point. And so I didn't really have a lot of experience networking. So here I am as the guy that's responsible for all the networking in the bank and the credit union. Um, I should – yeah, I got to say credit union because credit union people get very sensitive when those get interchanged. But, um, yeah, so just having to jump in and start learning how to work with the servers with Active Directory – and that's where a lot of my experience with Active Directory and Group Policy came in is because nothing against the my manager there, but um, Group Policy was a huge mess. I think more than half of them didn't even work. Yeah, unless you're a specialist, right, or you want to specialize in something like that, it's uh, mm-hmm. it's really easy to mess so that up. So we kind of, you know, Worked through a few different things for a while, and then we started having issues with the servers. Um, like I remember, the one of the first big incidents I walked to into in the morning was our, ex- uh, yeah, it was our Exchange server was down because we had it in house. And my manager, he always get in a little bit later. So it's like I walk in, first thing I hear everybody scream is like, I can't get to my email. I'm like, oh my god, I don't know how to work with Exchange. Uh, so I start, so first thing I did, you know, basics, you know, look at the server itself. Is it turned on? Is everything connected? And then jumping in and making sure all the services are running. I got to a brick wall and it's like, call my manager. It's like, all right, I'll be there in a few minutes. And then, you know, started going, once he actually arrived, then we started going through it and figuring things out. It was pretty quick at that point, but we were starting to have issues like that with, uh, Servers failing because exchange server went down a couple times and the CEO is extremely sensitive about his email. Um, so we were at the point where we're getting calls like at four and five o'clock in the morning because he wants to check his email and, you know, nobody's in the office. So having to scramble to get that done. So finally convinced them to let us get some new servers. And my boss is like, all right, you're going to be responsible for ordering the servers, specking them out and send them up. I'm like, this is the first time I'm actually setting up a server and, I don't know if I know you guys mentioned that you're looking through some of my older posts, but you probably might have seen this one, the Everest 
my Mount Everest posts that I made. I think that was one of my first big articles on Spiceworks. Um, Cause that, that project was, I had at the beginning, it was like, it was extremely daunting. Again, it's my first time setting up an enterprise server. You know, I've set up computers. That's no big deal. So that was kind of how I started. It's like, all right, I need to take it one step at a time. So just trying to pack it out as best as I can for the budget they gave me. And then going through and setting up the server. And I will be honest, I think I had to reformat that server five different times installing OS till I got it just right. It took me a little while. Yeah, that sounds right. That sounds that sounds completely normal for, to me the first time you're setting up a Windows server. You you mentioned that that was your first post or first big post in the community uh, in, in Spiceworks, right? So what... Yes. What drew you there? How'd you end up finding that? And, and what is the Spiceworks community for people that are listening? Sure. So Spiceworks is... Um, it's a couple different things actually. So first is there's a community aspect, which I'm quite active in. Um, I'm amazed at that right now, getting close to PC, but it's still going to be a while. But the community part is just basically a forum of IT professionals of different backgrounds and experiences where, you know, we chat, talk in the water cooler, uh, ask questions of issues we're trying to figure out that, you know, we're just stumped on or sharing different ideas, a bunch of different things. And there's also the tools that they have, like the help desk, the inventory, a bunch of different things. Um, so yeah, I got introduced to Spiceworks at the credit union cause they were using that for their help desk and inventory. Um, so it's like, Oh, this is pretty interesting. So I got in the software was pretty good. I think it, we were uh, using the software probably a couple months before I realized there was a community part of it. So I jumped in and just kind of browsing, lurking at first for probably a couple months. And then I think my very first post, I don't even remember what it is now, but it was definitely one of those, the first post is always a question to something I'm trying to figure out. Um, so going through that a few times, trying to get a few different things I didn't know answered and then kind of looking around a little bit more, I was like, Oh, maybe I can share some of the things I know. And at that point it was mostly active directory and group policy. So with this server project, that was one of the things I did was, is, uh, set up a brand new domain, um, because I wanted to start fresh. Because again, the big thing that was giving me frustrations, the group policies that my manager had set up were not working. So I wanted to start fresh and set it all up from scratch. And that really just involved me reading through every single policy that was there and learning what each one did and how they behaved. And that's pretty much where a lot of my experience of came in is just reading those one item at a time and figuring out what settings I could automate that way. Did you ever have a a, um, a decision point where you thought, hey, I've thought about it a few times, and that's, it's definitely one of those topics I see from time to time in Spiceworks. Um, but at least so far in my career now, I've thought about it a few times, but I've just never really gone for certifications uh, just because there hasn't been a big need for it professionally for me. Mm-hmm. Right. It serves as a validation, right, for a lot of people. But if you have a reputation for it, if you've written articles about it, you know, then 
maybe that is better. Yeah, I think it, it just depends. I think for at least my perspective is certifications matter more when you're going into the service side of IT, like uh, MSPs, managed service providers. Um, because at least all the ones I always talk to, they always vouch or go on about how we have so many ex Cisco engineers that are certified. We have so many Microsoft engineers that are certified. Um, so I think that's where a lot of the value is, um, is with cert the service side of IT. Um, but like working within companies, like I've yet to have a single boss that's ever asked me, hey, have you ever thought about getting this certification? It's like no one, even the managers that are IT professionals, they've never asked, they never brought it up. So I've never really pursued it. Now, did your, did your coworkers participate in the Spiceworks community as well? Or were you the only one that did in addition to using the software day to day? No, it was only me. I try to get them like uh, the uh, help desk tech there. Um, Cause I, at that time I started going to the spice core cause you know, I was really wanting to, you know, you know, expand my network was the big thing at that time. It's like, so, you know, I just wanted to talk to other people, um, network a little bit. So I started going to Spice Core, trying to get them active in it. But my boss, he was always busy with management because management's management. So they kept him busy with that. Um, and also working with the, uh, the banking software, the core software. So he didn't have a lot of time for that. And uh, the help desk tech just really didn't have much of an interest. So it was, it was just me that was in the community. How did your involvement kind of ramp up? I mean, at least in my experience, once I find out about the point system and and leveling up and and asking questions and answering questions, it, it almost became mm -hmm. you know addictive, right? Um, yeah, was that first your experience or was, was it you know getting else? into it. I was like, oh hey, here's these points, and the gamification really interested me of improving myself. So going in there and like at this time, I did have a decent amount of time to kind of to spend in Spiceworks. So I did spend a lot of time answering questions, especially with Active Directory and Group Policy. Um, you know, I didn't, at this point, I was really transitioning away a lot more from asking questions to answering them. And then as I finished the, the big server project, you know, getting everything set up in there, switching us over to new domain, which was fun. And I forgot to mention this with Bethesda, but I actually had experience transitioning domains because um, we did that at Bethesda. We went from one big domain and into mm -hmm. splitting them out for each location. So each location had a domain. So I went through that process already. So I was pretty comfortable doing that at the credit union. And as we finished, I'm like, you know, I realized how much of a learning experience that was for me. So that's when I had the interest of writing that uh, post about my Mount Everest moment was, you know, if this was such a big thing for me and I got a lot of it and how I felt before it even started, you know, I'm sure there's plenty of other professionals that have. So that's when I decided I want, I reached out to Spiceworks because for those articles at that time, it was actually run by somebody at Spiceworks. So I reached out to him and said, Hey, I've got this story and I want to actually write it up. And he goes, sure, go ahead. And so that's when I wrote my first big article, just kind of relaying my experiences with, of growing from that project. And it's, it's what is called a spotlight on it article. There are hundreds mm -hmm. of those in the Spiceworks community. We'll make sure and put, the link to this one and, and a couple others that you wrote in the community. 
Oh man, I have got to find a different record scratch effect. Uh, that one's really rough. Sorry, folks. We need to split this episode uh, right as Jimmy gets into his experience with Minecraft. Yeah, and speaking of splitting, sometimes you have to split your time between getting to that next level and doing your day job well. And if you need to get to that next level, there's no reason you can't send that tweet out to Adner Journey and join the John White School of Mentoring today. Pricing and packaging to come. Now, hopefully everybody heard about the homework assignment to read those two Spotlight articles. That'll give you some insight on what's coming next week as we continue our conversation with Jimmy. Just a reminder, we want people to subscribe and give us a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. We want to know if we're being helpful and are always looking for interesting questions to ponder. We're collectively on Twitter at Nerd Journey. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, those links to those articles, Spotlight articles, are in the show notes. Farewell, listeners. Tune in next time as the journey continues. I'm John White at B Journeyman for Nick Cordy at Network Nerd underscore. Signing off. Adios. Adios.